0: The show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we've got Peter Cohen of iMore. He's the Mac guy over there with lots of stuff to talk about. We'll also hear from Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy from Macworld. We'll talk about... All the problems people are having with iTunes, Mac and Windows, and the new iPods and more on the Tech Night Out Live. We've got Peter Cohen of iMore. He's the Mac guy over there, and we've got a wide-ranging discussion to present this week. And let's start with a published report quoting a survey company called Slice Intelligence that Apple Watch sales collapsed in June. Do we believe that, Peter? No, of course
1: not. Absolutely not. I mean, all all of this coverage about you know Apple sale, Apple Watch sales collapsing, or the Apple Watch not selling up to expectations, at least in, in this most recent news cycle, has been generated out of a rather sketchy single source of information, and that is a market research firm that that does some analytics, some metrics based on you know information that they pull. So it's not based off of any hard sales data as reported by Apple. And Apple right now is the only reliable source for any kind of information about Apple watch sales because outside of a few high-end luxury boutiques... Apple stores, Apple retail stores, and the Apple online store are the only two ways of getting the Apple Watch. You can't walk into a Target or a Walmart or a Best Buy and buy an Apple Watch. You can't walk into a third-party reseller of Apple products and get an Apple Watch. The Apple Watch is available exclusively from Apple, and like I said, a couple of high-end boutiques that are not going to do an appreciable volume of business enough to draw any kind of statistically relevant data from. Yeah, before we, we start casting a spur, Versions on the sales of the Apple Watch, I think we need to look at, at where the information is coming from. Uh, and the fact of the matter is that if it bleeds, it leads. That's a very old adage in, in, in newspapers. So if in technology journalism and technology publications, especially online, If you lead with any kind of Apple uh, information, it's likely to draw a lot of readers to your page as well. So if you tell readers that Apple is not doing well at something, it's a sensationalistic headline, it's something that's going to draw a lot of readers in, regardless of whether or not it's true. And in this case, I don't think it is true. And even if it were, even if Apple Watch sales had dropped off precipitously, the only way we're going to know is whether or not Apple tells us something. And right now, Apple isn't saying anything about Apple Watch sales.
0: Understand we will get Apple's financials this coming week. Whether Apple chooses to mention Apple Watch, we don't know because those sales are buried with the iPod and other products and services and something called Other. That's up to Apple to decide. A thing to point out about Slice Intelligence, supposedly it's based on online sales in the U.S. And in June, Apple started physically selling Apple Watches at their retail stores. So that's one issue right there. So those who may have ordered online, can now buy them in the stores. So that would itself cause a drop in sales if you're only measuring the online factor.
1: Yeah, there, there's a lot that we can infer, but nothing that we can really know for sure. So, Or imply, I should say, but not a lot that we can know for sure. So I would uh, caution anybody who's, who's reading a lot into this to uh, maybe take a step back and, and try to be a little bit more circumspect about what's going on with Apple, uh, Apple Watch sales.
0: Understand also, we're talking about a relatively new company here, Slice Intelligence. They have no track record whatever for producing accurate results. That is very true. Right there and then, they could be right. But unless we get official word from Apple, we're not going to know except by inference. And in this case, they have to show what their track record is and how accurate they are. We don't have to prove or disprove what they say. They have to prove that they're giving us Information that can be relied on. I mean, if you look at the more respected surveys from IDC and Gartner, they're seldom consistent. They consistently undercount max sales, but we take them seriously.
1: Yeah, we take them seriously because, uh, actually, for no better reasons than we take slice seriously. The fact of the matter is, most of this stuff you've got to take with a grain of salt, period. Also, remember
0: here, and this is an important fact, that when it comes to things like this. A survey has a margin of error. It's not perfect. So we don't know what margin of error we factor into it. This is any survey. So there you go. Let's just move away from that. Obviously, you can't tell us how they're doing because the store you work at doesn't have the Apple Watch yet. Are they going to let third-party dealers have that thing?
1: We don't know. We don't know. We haven't gotten any direct word from Apple whether or not they will let us uh, carry it. So at at this point, it's, it's anyone's guess.
0: Okay, so much for that. Now, we haven't talked about this too much in the past, but I mentioned that I bought a new watch just very recently at Walmart for $12.88. Okay? And this watch keeps time within one second of the time on my iMac
1: for $12.88. So I think I got a pretty good deal there. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of inexpensive, very reliable timepieces out there, and you don't need to spend $350 on an apple watch to get a good one for sure
0: now i forget from the last time you were on the show do you have an apple watch yes i do if you weren't writing about technology would you still have an apple watch in all likelihood no
1: you know in all likelihood i wouldn't No.
0: that of course is an issue that apple has to consider also once the tech fans are out of the way the early adopters will regular people say okay 349 that's fine that's cool i'll buy one i don't think that question's been answered yet
1: You know, it's funny. I have a lot of conversations with people about the Apple Watch. I'll be standing in line. I was standing in line at the grocery store yesterday, and this fellow was staring at my wrist. And when I caught his eye, he looked at me and he said, so how do you like your watch? And we got into a discussion about the watch. What was interesting is in that same market probably about three days before – Um, I was also standing in line, and uh, the the person who was bagging the groceries looked at me and and asked about the Apple Watch as well. And, and, you know, we had a brief conversation, as brief as you can really do in a situation like that. And uh, she came away with it with kind of the same reaction that the guy did, which was, well, it sounds great, but it's not something I need. Well, no kidding. No one needs an Apple watch any more than they need an iPhone or uh, indoor plumbing or electricity. You know the human race evolved long before you know the niceties that of 21st century uh, civilization came along and will continue long afterwards. It, the, the Apple Watch is, is not a need thing any more than having a smartphone as an absolute need thing. You can get away with a flip phone or with a basic candy bar phone that that makes calls. Or heaven forfend, you should you know not have a cell phone at all. Uh, you know people still get along quite well without them. So uh, you know the, this this ridiculousness about. You know, is Apple Watch actually filling a need? Or is the Apple Watch actually filling a need? No, it's not. Nothing that Apple makes is something that people actually need to get through their day. These are convenience items. They're all convenience items. And the Apple Watch more than most, because you can make the argument that you really do need a cell phone, you know, in the event of an emergency or to be able to be reached by other people or to access the Internet if you don't have any other Internet access. You can't really make the same claim about the Apple Watch. It is an accessory designed to work with iPhone 5 and iPhone 6. Uh, If you don't have a 5S, if you don't have a 6 or a 6 Plus, the thing is useless to you. Uh, So that right there is going to uh, relegate the Apple Watch to a fairly small segment of um, of, of the buying public, because lest we forget, you know, Apple has Apple may have 92% of smartphone profits in the market, but they actually have uh, only about 20% or less of the actual smartphone market in terms of actual market share. The vast majority of people who have smartphones, uh, here in the United States at least, you know, are using Android-based phones or phones from other manufacturers, they're not using Apple products. So, yeah, I mean, the Apple Watch is, is a nice thing to have. I'm an early adopter. I'm in a very fortunate position as a technology writer to be able to have one and to somewhat justify its existence. But I'll be the first person to tell you that you don't need an Apple Watch, you know, and you don't even need an Apple Watch to, you know, have a great experience with other Apple products like the, like the iPhone. You know, it, but it, it's, it's nice to have and I'm finding more ways to use it every day.
0: Now, I have to look at the growth of technology because I lived two or three years longer than you have. And when I grew up, we had a telephone, we had a TV set. To make a long distance call was supremely expensive. And I'll tell you more about the past, which many of you remember, but sometimes we forget in light of all that's happened in recent years. We have Peter Cohen. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Neighbors, let Bitdefender worry about security. Just enjoy your Mac. Bitdefender antivirus for Mac. Complete protection 24 7 and take a selfie with your Mac, post it on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and tag it HugAMAC for a chance to win a MacBook Air. To learn more, go to bitdefender.com backslash hugAMAC. Bitdefender.com backslash hugAMAC.
2: Many are in disbelief today after
3: word of shocking allegations against a Minnesota-based talk syndication company known as GCN. It's claimed that they're the fourth largest talk syndication company in the U.S., making it even more scandalous that they've been accused of helping business owners expose themselves on a massive scale. Let's go live to Tom for more on this story.
4: It's being called the greatest exposure of our lifetime, while other business owners are beginning to step forward, claiming they, too, exposed themselves. With the help of GCN. It's true. They're all guilty.
5: Every last one of them. GCN helped me get the exposure my company needed. And just think, that was years ago. Today, GCN has like 700 affiliate stations and over 6 million downloads from iTunes and their website every month.
3: Imagine the exposure your company can get. Expose your business to the masses. Email advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy. Affordable. Effective.
2: GCN.
0: So on the Tech Night Out Live, we have Peter Cohen joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. So we're talking here about the need for an Apple Watch or any of these newfangled appliances. Remember, in the 60s and 70s, I'm growing up and we have a phone. If we wanted to make a long distance call, it's expensive. You know, no freebies. I'm not talking about calling UK, which you can do for like one cent a minute now. From the US, I mean a dollar or two a minute. If you read to contact someone without the phone, if they're not somebody you can travel to, you send snail mail and wait a few days and wait a few days for the response if there is any. Now it's all instant gratification. We have our smartphones. We have our personal computers. I didn't have a personal computer till the 1980s, although there were some in the 70s, of course. But, you know, things have changed. We have social networking. We have instant gratification but still doesn't mean we can't live without some of that. An Apple Watch right now, as you say, is an accessory for iPhone, but possibly as things get smaller, parts get smaller, features get larger, how many years will it take before everything you get in today's smartphone other than the large screen can be embedded in an Apple Watch?
1: A larger screen I think is inevitable. I'm not sure that we'll ever get a six plus style screen. Um, On the Apple Watch, or an incredibly high density screen, that's going to make sense for a lot of people. I mean, I'm I'm solidly middle aged. You know, I'm 45 this year, turned 46 at the end of the year, and I know that my um, eyesight just in the past, I'd say two years, has diminished greatly when it comes to reading small type. It's gotten to the point where I'm actually uncomfortable reading some of the type on my iPhone. You know, my I use an iPhone six, and um, I know that with the installation of Apple Music in iOS 8.4. Uh, some of the typography and playlists and you know albums and so on has diminished to the point where I actually need to reach for my reading glasses in order to look at it. I think these problems are going to uh, continue. Indefinitely, and I mean, obviously, a very big part of the buying public are people in my age range and older. You know, people whose whose vision is is starting to fail them through natural processes. People who may have been wearing corrective lenses for many years, whatever. Uh, and Apple's also got to be mindful of people with with disabilities. You know, and uh, you know, the Apple Watch does a better job. Uh, than many wearable devices do in terms of making itself useful for people who need accessibility options. And that's terrific. Um, and I'm glad to see Apple doing that. Having said that, I have no doubt that eventually um, there's going to be an increase in in screen size and in screen density, uh, pixel density on the screen, I should say. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see Apple introduce different timepieces uh, besides just the 38 mil and the 40, uh, 42 mil uh, that they've got right now.
0: Now, consider this also here in terms of that. The new font being used in OS X, El Capitan, iOS 9, these are available in public betas. You can get them, but just be forewarned about betas. And the Apple Watch, this new San Francisco font, in smaller sizes it's more readable. I've been playing with the public betas. It is more readable. It doesn't mean you will be able to give up your reading glasses. Maybe you won't. I can't. I'm wearing progressive lenses. Right now, I'm not wearing my contact lenses. I'm wearing regular eyeglasses with so-called progressive lenses, which is something more complicated than bifocals. It allows me to read things close up and see things at a distant with a fair amount of clarity. Okay. Now, I did notice that that change makes things more readable, but still not quite there. But don't you think that's at least an improvement? You, I assume have seen the public betas.
1: Yeah, I have, but I actually haven't used them at all. I don't have a huge stable of test equipment uh, to use. You know, I've got my one Apple Watch, I've got my one iPhone, and I've got my one Mac that I do all my work on. Uh, and I tend not to mess with those uh, when it comes to public betas because um, i got to get work done. And if my machine dies, well, that's a problem.
0: So you have to be cautious. What I did for a while with betas for El Capitan was to set up a second partition on my iMacs hard drive. And stick it all there, knowing I could just wipe that partition out in case things went wrong. I wouldn't lose my work Mac, where you can use an external drive. You can't do that, obviously, on an iPhone or an iPad. So you have to realize that if this doesn't work for you, you have to basically restore the thing from scratch, get a hold of the previous file, the 8.4 iOS file, and update and reinstall everything. So... That's what you have to do, and that's what you have to be prepared for. On the other hand, that's the consideration there. So, does an Apple Watch become essential? I don't know. If I had a spare 349 sitting here, I would be reluctant at this point, maybe sometime in the future. If I'm given one to review, and I am on the list, eventually I'll probably get a review sample. I'm sure Apple's worked through all that, and they have me at number 12 million or something. So, the other 11,999,000 or whatever have to get theirs first before I get mine. Let's move on to some other subjects here, okay? Apple hasn't killed the iPod yet. On Wednesday, they introduced new colors for the Nano and the Shuffle, and then a new iPod Touch with at least some of the innards of an iPhone 6, but a little less powerful. What's your take on it?
1: Well, I'm actually very happy with uh, with the upgrade. The iPod Touch, uh, the new iPod Touch, has the AA processor in it that you can find in the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus, which means that it's very well-suited for running iOS 8 and, of course, iOS 9 when it comes out this fall. Um, it's poised to take advantage of Metal, which is a technology that Apple introduced in iOS 8 that makes graphics run faster, which is great for games. And uh, not just for games, though. For uh, any app that really leverages the graphics capabilities of iOS... And, and these devices, you know, the, the iPod Touch hadn't been touched by Apple in any significant way since 2012. And three years in this business is uh, is is epochs. It's eons. Uh, so the the iPod Touch was very long in the tooth. You know, at this point, the only device that's using a a, a CPU that's of that generation is the uh, is the current Apple TV, which. You know, if you listen to the rumor mill, is due to be replaced anytime Apple can get its uh, content deals together with content providers. So I, I think that uh, Apple did the right thing by, by refreshing it. The great thing for case makers and accessory makers is, is the form factor of the iPod Touch has not changed. Uh, so cases and accessories designed to work with the current or with the previous generation iPod Touch it should still work with the new one. But in addition to the CPU, you've also got more memory. You've got Bluetooth 4.1, which, you know, is, is a little bit of future Proofing there there you, you, there isn't a lot to report there right now but uh, someday soon there will be um, and you've also got an eight megapixel camera on the back of it so you've got the camera um, you've got a much better camera than you did before you know in, my experience at least in the store that I work at and obviously anecdote is not the plural of data you know is is that. Very few people who are shopping around for an iOS device are really interested in iPod Touch. They're either interested in iPad factor, a uh, form factor. They're interested in an iPad Mini, or a full-sized iPad, and you know the reasons for that may be varied. Or they want an iPhone, and I don't think, at least in the United States, where um, carrier subsidies are still very much real thing. Um, that people really parse the difference in price between an iPod Touch and an iPhone. You know, you can go out and get an an iPhone 5C right now, which would be Apple's only current iPhone model um, that comes in the same four-inch form factor as the iPod Touch for $449. For $450, you can pay for it outright. Or you can get it from the carrier for free. A lot of carriers have deals where if you sign up for a two-year agreement, you can get it for free. So that's a free phone for them.
0: Yes, let's get into more of that in our next segment with Peter Cohen of iMore. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
3: Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. There are hundreds of silver products on the
5: market today, but there's nothing like the astonishing health benefits of the multi patented One Silver Solution. Boost your immune system at a great price with our Silver Solution Liquid, starting at twelve ninety five a bottle, now available in regular and extra strength. That's half the price of the leading competitors. Call 844 Use Silver for your free catalog, or go to onesilversolution.com. Onesilversolution.com. There is only one silver solution.
7: We, the people,
2: Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. Call 1-888-379-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. So, disable the cable and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-888-379-MY-TV. Right now, to sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and up to four rooms. And there's no equipment to buy. That includes your free HD TV upgrade, your free DVR upgrade and your free professional installation. And the best part, the pristine digital picture and sound. Call 1-888-379 MyTV. So, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-888-379 MyTV. 1-888-379 MyTV. Disable the cable, cut costs and get more. Call 1-888-379 MyTV. 1-888-379 MyTV. It's very
8: easy to be a criminal. All you need to burglarize a home is one simple household tool, a pair of scissors. If your home security system can be compromised by a criminal using scissors, then you're making it easy for them. Almost every home security system, even those sold by big-name companies, has a weakness. The phone line. You shell out 1500 bucks, get locked into a long-term contract, and think you're safe. But a burglar can destroy your alarm in seconds with one snip. And when a burglar cuts your phone line... You're defenseless. Simply Safe Home Security is the smarter choice. Built by Harvard engineers, Simply Safe uses a wireless connection to call the cops. Scissors can't cut it. And that means your home stays safe. 24 7 professional monitoring is under $15 a month with no contract. Simply Safe Home Security keeps you safer than the other guys for half the cost. Protect your home with the alarm you can trust. Simply Safe. Go to simplysafedefense.com now for an exclusive
9: 10% offer. That's simplysafedefense.com. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237.
10: Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next.
0: So we have the iPod Touch, but the case here is with the carrier subsidy or the low-cost financing deals that carriers, especially in the United States, offer now, it makes maybe more sense to get an iPhone 5S.
1: Well, I think it does if you don't know how to do math, because, you know, the, the conversation that I have with customers goes like this. I'd like, I'd like to take a look at an iPod Touch. Okay, so I show them the iPod Touch. Okay, that's great. How much is it? Well, a 16-gig unit starts at 199 Well, for 199 I can get myself an iPhone uh, 6. And I remind them that, no, you can't actually. You're putting a down payment of $200 on an iPhone 6, but an iPhone 6 is actually a $650 phone, and you're going to be paying that, you know, for two years, or you're going to be paying your carrier some kind of subsidy uh, every month to enroll in their upgrade program so after six months you can trade up for a new model when a new model comes out. That enumeration, that, that quantification doesn't really parse for a lot of people. They just see it as, you know, a cash flow hit you know, $200 now versus $450 later, well, you know, I'm going to be paying that to the carrier anyway.
0: Now, the okay. thing that people do here, it's a monthly payment they consider, not so much the total cost. I noticed this when I went to a car dealers in recent years. Go to a car dealer and you look at something where they're advertising a special price. Go pay $100 less than sticker or whatever for your Toyota Camry for $22,000 plus. But when you go in there and get the price quote, they don't quote the total price. They say it's four fifty nine dollars a month for 72 months, whatever it is, at whatever interest rate. They quote you the monthly payment. They argue with you in terms of pricing, what monthly payment can you afford? And only later, or with a lot of urging, do you get them to admit, well, what's the total purchase price first? Then we can argue about the monthly payments.
1: Yeah, so, yeah. I've, I've had the same discussion. Well, how much can you afford every month? No, 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 no. That's not the question. The question is, how much am I paying for this car? You, you can make anything sound good if you get it down to a low enough monthly rate. So, yeah, no, I understand exactly what you're saying. Um, and and I completely agree with you, Gene. It, it, it is much more comfortable for people to think, well, you know, 450 bucks over two years is a lot easier for me to swallow than, you know, paying for it all up front. Personally, I get my phones up front and then pay my carrier as little as possible because um, I understand how interest works. And, you know, I, you know, if, if I charge it on a, a credit card or if I pay a monthly fee that, that's some sort of kind of subsidization fee, I'm going to end up paying more money than I would if I paid it up front and just took the cash flow hit anyway. But that's just me. You know, the, it, everybody's in, in, in a different situation. So th- my point in all this is that the iPod Touch only really appeals to a limited subset of customers who are interested in iOS devices. It seems like a lot of the people who are interested in the iPod Touch are families with younger kids, kids who may not be ready for cell phones but are definitely ready for iOS devices, who've played a lot of games maybe on their parents' iPhones or maybe even have an iPad and are looking for something smaller and more pocketable. One thing that I was a little disappointed with this time around is that Apple didn't come out with a larger form factor iPod Touch. I was, I've was i been kind of waiting ever since the iPhone 6 Plus came out for an iPod Touch Plus, you know, something with that size screen, something that would enable Apple to go up against, let's say, the Nintendo 3DS XL, you know, the extra large version of the 3DS handheld gaming system. Gaming on iOS is enormously popular. I think that there would be um, a, 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 certainly a niche uh, for that, but that's not something they did this time around. And the other thing that I think is ironic that's missing from the iPod Touch is that it doesn't have Touch ID. You know, this is the one device with Touch in its name, and Touch ID, you know, certainly a convenience factor for iPhone 5S uh, 6 and 6 Plus users and uh, later iPad um, Air and uh, iPad Mini users – Uh, is absent. So Touch ID remains a premium feature that Apple's using to kind of uh, convince customers to get into some of their higher-priced products.
0: Now, you're seeing here the difference between a $200 product or a $450 or $500 product with a subsidy, because that $500 product has the cellular radio, it's got Touch ID, it's got GPS, it's got NFC, it's got features that are not on the iPod Touch as a cost factor. Because there is no subsidy, so Apple has to keep it as inexpensive as possible, but still give it the veneer of being a relatively powerful device, don't you think?
1: Absolutely, yeah. No, I think that, uh, you know, Apple uh, and... (laughs) You know, could Apple have have put other stuff in the iPod Touch? Yes, but um, yeah, you're right. They do need to keep the cost as as low as they can, and they need to you know they need to make it attractive. And I'm not sure that they're really going to be making a ton of them anyway, because of what I said before. I don't really see a lot of people coming in the store looking for those.
0: Do you see any uptake in terms of people who want a cheap music player, so they buy like a iPod Shuffle? They want something to give, give as a gift. And it's not expensive.
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, at, at that point, you know, the the iPod uh, Shuffle, the iPod Shuffle and the iPod Nano really kind of um, hit sort of a a uh, a niche spot. I, the the people that I sell them to the most um, are people who are using them for fitness. Uh, you know, people who are, are doing distance running, for example, like marathons or uh, uh, that sort of thing, and they don't want to be saddled with a lot of weight. Maybe they don't want to have to wear an armband or maybe they're reactive to armbands. Uh, and, you know, aren't comfortable taking their iPhone with them but are looking for something they can just clip onto a shirt uh, for when they're working out. Uh, iPod Nano, same kind of story. You know, the nice thing about the iPod Nano is that it's got 16 gigabytes of storage capacity. Uh, So the iPod Nano has enough storage um, that that people can dump their entire uh, music library, in many cases, onto it um, and still have room to spare. Plus, it's got an FM radio, which none of the other iPods do. Um, the downside of the shuffle and the nano, of course, is that they don't work with Apple music. So if you're a subscriber to Apple music, um, and you're not looking for an iPhone or for that matter, an iPad, um, the, the iPod uh, touch is really your only choice, um, in terms of being able to tap into that ecosystem.
0: Now, does the iPod touch form factor portend possibly an iPhone six C because people still don't want the larger iPhones.
1: Well, let us assume for a moment that um, Apple is going to refresh its uh, iPhones this fall, as it has every fall um, since it started making iPhones. Um, I think it's fair to assume that something is, is going to, to, to take up the, the low end of Apple's market. Um, Whether or not that's going to be the 5C or a 6C, uh, I I really have no idea. You know, I I don't necessarily think that the 5C... Um, is, is there simply because Apple needs a four-inch device. You know, the, the trend right now is for people who are getting premium smartphones to get larger models. Um, and, of course, the iPhone uh, 6 Plus sold beyond Apple's wildest expectations for months after it was released. Um, Apple could not keep them in stock um, because, uh, you know, people wanted the larger size. People bought uh, disproportionately bought the iPhone 6 Plus compared to other phablet sized uh, smartphones that run Android um, or Windows Phone, for that matter. You know, they really like the iPhone Six Plus, and having had my hands on one, I can't blame them. You know, it's a, it's a great device, and it doesn't feel as large as as it is. Um, so, I, I'm not positive that Apple needs uh, a four-inch uh, phone in its uh, um, in, in 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 its its line as much as some. Uh, m- media analysts and critics seem to think. Having said that, I think that they're going to continue to have a low-end uh, uh, product that can be given away for free, quote-unquote, um, with with the two-year subsidy um, or something that, you know, people can walk into a store and buy out of a blister pack at Walmart for $450. Bucks, uh, and we're going to continue to see that happen. So um, whether it's the, the 5C or Um, the mythical 6C or something else. I'm not sure. Well,
0: I know in the case of a few people I've talked to, they don't like the larger iPhones, even though they're so popular. In fact, we have one very famous example. Your friend in mine, Kirk McElhern, bought an iPhone 6. He sent it back. He kept his iPhone 5S because he didn't like the larger size. On the other hand, I think an iPhone 6 is perfect for me. I've played with the iPhone 6 Plus And it's a wee bit too much. Unless I become a clown, I have the big pockets. I don't have the big pockets. We have Peter Cohen of iMore. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live.
3: Free from the shackles of corporate America. We're the place for independent thinkers.
0: GCN. If you're worried about your
11: health and you're tired of the nasty side effects of harsh drugs or antibiotics, then look no further. Supernatural Silver is the answer. Supernatural Silver is a powerful immune system enhancer that can be used every day to help keep you healthy and well with none of those nasty side effects. It's extremely safe for use internally as well as topically and Supernatural Silver is hundreds of times more effective than colloidal or ionic silver. It is perfect for use in the sinuses, eyes, ears and on any wound or skin issue. Supernatural Silver is also extremely effective when taken orally and can help fight off bacteria, viruses and mold that may be overwhelming your immune system. Go to supernatural silver. SupernaturalSilver.com And use the promo code Silver2015 for 30% off of your entire order. And give yourself and your loved ones a fighting chance with Supernatural Silver. Usually the older one gets, the less you are able to absorb amino acids and the less you are able to repair the 100 trillion cells of your body. As a result, you'll have less energy, your tissues will shrink, and you'll become wrinkled. An older person will typically injure more easily and heal more slowly. Not fun. However, if you can consume a protein powder that is easier to absorb, then you may be able to gain back some strength, muscle, and speed of recovery. One World Way is a highly digestible whey protein powder that may be the perfect answer for you.
9: My name is Errol. I'm 74 years old. You know, the taste of One World Way is amazing. I play pickleball, and since taking One World Way and your trace mineral supplement, I have more energy and recover faster from my working out. I used to take another grass-fed whey protein powder, but now I'm getting much better results using One World Whey.
1: Call
11: 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com.
12: Pharmacist Ben Fuchs believes virtually all disease states can be backtracked to digestive problems. Deficiencies in stomach acid can affect all downstream systems.
2: Taking digestive enzymes can be amazingly helpful for dealing with deficiencies in stomach acid. Enzymes require low pH for activation. You can also use aloe vera juice, by the way. Sugars in aloe vera have a coating effect on the digestive system. Longevity has a cool product called Noni Plus, which is made from aloe in the noni fruit.
12: It's tasty. It can also function to support digestive acidification, acidification of the stomach, and activation of digestive enzymes. Take pharmacist Ben's advice and support your digestive system by ordering Noni Plus from longevity Call 866-735-2470. That's 866-735-2470 or on the web at brightsideben.com. That's brightsideben.com. Order today. know
10: what's going to happen next well here's the tech night owl live with gene steinberg
0: with peter cohen i'm gene steinberg on the tech night owl live talking about the ipod Refresh and also the iPhone, whether there should remain a smaller model in the product lineup. And Apple seems more flexible about having choices these days than they've done before. What's your take?
1: Yeah, I mean, Apple does seem more amenable to having a lot of choices um, these days. And I'm not necessarily sure that that's a good thing because it's complicated Apple's product line greatly. You know, if you take a look at Apple's online store right now, it becomes kind of a head scratcher. What do I want? The iPad Air, the iPad Air 2, the iPad Mini 2, the iPad Mini 3. You know, it becomes kind of a, a conundrum, I think, for, for consumers uh, who especially, you know, over the years may have gotten accustomed to a much more streamlined uh, product line. One could make the argument that this never would have happened if Steve Jobs were still alive. You know, of course, I think that's a specious argument to make during any time. But the the fact of the matter is that Apple's uh, product line has gotten considerably more complicated. The good news is that people who are looking for bargains can find them. If you don't want to spend $500 on a full-sized iPad, you don't have to. You can spend $400 and you don't have the same choices in color or storage or f- functionality, but you can still get something and have a very nice machine that's going to last you for a number of years to come. So as Apple increases the depth and breadth of its product lines, Apple also increases the the, 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 the choices that it gives its customers. And I think that that's double-edged sword.
0: Of course, there is always a danger of going too far. And then you become like the other manufacturers. And right now, for example, the iPad product lineup is a little confusing. We understand with the Apple Watch because it's a personal fashion device and everyone has a different priority in terms of the watch band, in terms of the size of the watch, etc. But don't you think there's a point here where it gets a little confusing, like on the low end or the mid- midline of the MacBook, you've got the MacBook Air and there's an old legacy MacBook Pro and a MacBook Pro with Retina display and just a MacBook...
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the MacBook existed before, so there, there's nothing unusual there. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, there are a lot of options to choose from. Uh, I'm inclined to think that the the problem was less pronounced on the Mac side of things than it is on the, uh, iOS side of things. But may, maybe I'm deluding myself because, you know, now there's a 5K iMac, there's the 21 inch iMac, the 27 inch iMac, there's, the Mac Pro, there's the MacBook, the MacBook Air, the MacBook Pro. You know, so, yeah, it, it, gets, it gets a lot to keep track of. And I hear this confusion in my customers' voices every day when they walk in saying, yeah, I'd like to look at the Mac Pro Air Book 2. You know, they just they get convoluted. They can't keep this stuff straight.
0: As long as Apple can. Back in the 90s, Apple had so many models of Macs and performers that it came to a point I don't think the executives knew which was which.
1: Well, yeah, and I mean, one of the big mistakes that they made back in the day was differentiating product uh, numbers based on what vendors were selling them, right? So you would get a very specific Performa model uh, being sold in CompUSA that was the exact same one that was being sold in Sears, but they had different numbers, so Apple knew where they came from. Um, that was a dumb way to keep track of product, but Apple was being very poorly managed at the time. I don't necessarily see the same thing happening now that happened then. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's the worst case scenario.
0: To be fair, some other consumer electronics companies continue to do that where you have specific models for specific stores. It gets to be crazy sometimes. Let's get to another topic here, and that is Flash. And Adobe has had recent security updates for Flash. But there's still accounts, unfortunately, where there's still sites where you need flash to see some of the content. I realize that's going away. But still, is it time to flush flash?
1: I think if you can get away with it, it's a really good time to get rid of Flash altogether. Um, Having said that, there's no question that you are going to run into issues, you know, where the web pages won't load, where um, uh, you'll get error messages if you try to load uh, content uh, from from sites. I mean, you know, Flash is is an unfortunate um, uh, byproduct of the web that I I don't think um, will be around forever, but... For right now, if you want the complete experience, you kind of have to have Flash installed. The other alternative is to uh, depend on a web browser like uh, Google Chrome, for example, that has Flash built into it and sandboxes Flash um, so as not to create a security issue for the rest of your operating system. That seems to be a solution that a lot of people who um, uh, spend all day on the web are much more comfortable with than having Flash just running amok in Safari all the time.
0: Well, I know as far as I'm concerned, I don't think there are that many sites that I visit that require Flash. And we get back to the point that if you're one of billions of people who have mobile devices, Flash is not supported. There was a brief attempt to put Flash on Android. It completely failed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because Flash is a waste of processor. It uh, runs, makes your device run hot. Um, it, it Inevitably, inevitably, if my fans are on and, and I feel uh, my my laptop getting warm, if I check activity monitor, monitor, it's usually a web process. It's usually Flash that's causing the problem. Um, and obviously, Apple's taken steps over the courses of the past couple of, of Mac operating systems because the Mac is the only place in Apple's ecosystem where Flash will run. Uh, Apple does not allow Flash to run at all on iOS, period, and will not ever, as far as I know. Um, you know they've they've taken steps to make sure that um, Flash is as compartmentalized in Safari as it possibly can be uh, by doing things like not loading Flash if it's a background uh, or if it's in the background or prompting the user to actually load Flash before it does. Um, and th- these are these are great enhancements. These uh, are, are wonderful power saving tools and wonderful uh, processor saving tools uh, for Mac users. But if you install flash, these are the problems that you have. So um, if you can live without it, really are, but you're better off.
0: I have one site that has some flash content, and maybe I'll get some help to remove the flash content. And then flash is history for me. There you go. Okay. Now, here's an app that some people think should be history, and you kind of agreed with your last appearance on the Tech Night Out Live, and you were on a joint appearance with Kirk McElhern, and that is whether iTunes needs to be terminated with extreme prejudice and redone. And the complaints we've had with corrupted databases and incorrect DRM with Apple Music and iTunes 12.2 and a minor update... Don't you think that kind of reinforces that impression?
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I um, have find new reasons every day to hate iTunes even more. Um, at this point, I just think that iTunes is is one of the most un-Apple-like apps that you could possibly uh, use. Uh, you know, using iTunes, uh, and I, I try to put myself in the role of a new user here, using iTunes is incredibly unintuitive, um, you know, you've got your music, you've got apps, you've got, uh, podcasts, you've got books, you've got, uh, uh, just this, this huge melange of, of, of content of media to sort through, um, that's poorly differentiated that Apple really doesn't have very clear or consistent, uh, uh, interface for enabling you to to, to, to get through um, and then if you are an iTunes match or an Apple music subscriber you've got this added level of complexity on top of it trying to figure out what's your music versus what's the music in the, in the uh, in the cloud and and how do I know um, it just it, it's really nightmarish I would really like to see Apple and I hate to say this because I know how people I know how many people feel about it but I would like to see Apple iOSify um, the iTunes experience. I'd like to see them break apart music from video and apps and so on uh, and syncing uh, with iOS devices. I would like to see iTunes become less. I would like to see iTunes uh, become simplified and perhaps stratified into, or balkanized, I guess the, 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 the word might be better, um, into several different apps that do different dedicated things more successfully than this big mess of, of iTunes does right now.
0: I guess the advantage of the way it is now is if you want more than one class of content, you don't have to open up a separate app. It's all there. It's a one-stop shopping center, which doesn't really apply for iOS because every app has to be more limited in function because of resources and memory and everything. So that might be the excuse.
1: Yeah, I mean, that might be the excuse, you know, and the the other way of looking at it is that, you know, iTunes is a product that's been around for well over a decade. Um, Apple's just had a lot of opportunity over the years to pile on, unfortunately. And, you know, the net result is that you've got, um, uh, you know, it's 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 kind of like digging through a, uh, a trash pile. You've just got, you know, years and years of stuff um, to get through, you know, old newspapers and uh Uh, candy wrappers and, uh, you know, uh, the occasional uh, mafia guy wrapped up in sheets and so on. And, uh, you know, that's iTunes is where all the bodies are buried. We'll look for more bodies
0: in our next segment of the Tech Night Owl Live.
3: Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We
0: are GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well... Hey, you what, neighbors, head on over to A2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, A2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions now to get the discount use the coupon code gene when you check out
13: as if chlorine in our water weren't bad enough now they're adding ammonia
0: it's true some
14: municipalities are now adding ammonia plus chlorine to your water supply it's a disinfectant called chloramine But with a trusted Big Berkey water filter, you can keep chloramine out of your water. New NSF EPA certified lab tests show EPA Berkey water filters remove chloramines, pharmaceuticals, BPA, pesticides, bacteria and viruses, all forms of fluoride and much more. Big Berkey water filters are the original and most trusted on the market. The gold standard in water purification. And our filters last for years at less than two cents per gallon. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water get your big berkey today call 1-877-99-BERKEY or click bigberkeywaterfilters.com that's 1-877-99-B-E-R-K-E-Y big berkey water filters for the love of clean water
6: welcome back to the tech night owl live where you never know what's going to happen next and now here's gene steinberg
0: Okay, we're looking at the bodies buried in iTunes to make it so darn complex on the Tech Night Out Live with Peter Cohen, whether there's a way for Apple to simplify it, improve the interface. I guess you see the issue that I raised before about separating it into different apps. It's because right now you have one app that lets you get into all the content you want to buy or or stream whatever. You got the movies, the music, the TV shows the podcasts, the apps, everything's there. But if you have separate apps, then anything like that distills the integration, which is, I guess, what Apple is playing for with the Mac and PC versions. Not so much with the version for the iOS devices, the iPhone, the iPad, the iPod Touch. And partly it's because of the fact that apps have to be limited function on those devices. You
1: see my point? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that you're absolutely right. I think that, uh, you know, iOS has been a different use case from the start from the Mac. Um, but like I said, it, 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 it's important to differentiate cause and effect. You know, it, initially making iTunes the center of all this media stuff made a lot of sense. But over time, uh, I'm not sure that that, that 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 still applies. And I really hope that uh, the UI people at Apple are, are looking at iTunes and, and trying to make some very fundamental changes to make this easier to use.
0: I think they do need to really redo it, reconsider it. I see the thing that bothers me is we have all these functions in iTunes, but when I'm using Apple Music, there are things I can't do to songs that I want to basically say I don't want it. I want to say I don't want this song included in my list or this album. I can do that easily with the tap and hold menu, the context menu for music for iOS. I can't do it as easily or at all when it gets to the iTunes version, even now, after using it for a couple of weeks with tons of stuff, tons of artists, music that I would never listen to. I'm not going to hear the Archie's Sugar Sugar Greatest Hits. Okay, iTunes, Apple Music, not going to happen, never going to listen to it. Frank Sinatra is okay, but Tom Jones is not.
1: Well, I'm going to beg to differ with you on Tom Jones, but it's my taste. I know, I know. And that's that's the thing, you know, it, it, there there are basic user interface consistencies that drive me crazy. For example, if I navigate from my music in in iTunes 12.2 to playlists, for example, my music shows me uh all of the albums or songs or whatever that 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 I've got listed depending on Um, how I've got that particular tab set up on the right-hand side. But if I switch to playlists, all of a sudden I get a sidebar. And that sidebar doesn't show me exclusively playlists. It shows me uh, my library, you know, it shows me Apple Music playlists, which are differentiated from playlists. Well, what are playlists? Playlists, of course, I know the answer to this. Playlists are playlists that I've created locally, either smart playlists that I've created locally or regular playlists that I've created locally. But why does it differentiate Apple Music playlists from playlists? And if I'm not an Apple iTunes expert, how do I know the difference? And for, for, for that matter, why is Why do I have this library tab under sidebar showing me music, music videos, purchased in Genius Mixes? What does that mean? You know, it's this inconsistency in interface. Um, This blatant rule-breaking that Apple is doing based on its own human interface guidelines that I find so incredibly maddening about iTunes and so incredibly frustrating. Um, And I just don't find it a a very good user experience. Having said all that, I have to admit that when I get into the zen of Apple Music, I really enjoy the experience. I'm getting turned on to new playlists every day in the For You section of Apple Music, and I'm just arbitrarily adding these things to my list, and, you know, the nice thing is they sync to my phone really well, so when I go out for a walk, if I'm going out for my exercise, uh, you know, I can fire up that playlist I was just listening to on my Mac and expect it to be there uh, right where I expect it to be on my phone, and you know, the, the, the Beats Radio is kind of missing me right now, but uh, or Beats 1, um, but, you know, th- there's a lot to really enjoy um, about the the user experience, but it is piled on top of these user, idio- I- I- user interface idiosyncrasies and inconsistencies in, in iTunes that I think mars the experience, especially for new users who may not be that experienced with it, and just make it an awful, awful process that Apple really needs to take a look at.
0: They have to call up Jeff Robin And get him to work. What else is Jeff Robin doing other than iTunes? Hmm. No No idea. All right. Let's continue. So the issues with iTunes will not be solved until Apple gets to building new versions. And we understand that. And maybe those things will be solved. In terms of Apple Music in general, what's your take? Are you going to keep up your subscription after the initial trial period?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to iOS 9's release because Eddie Cue, um, Apple VP Eddie Cue, um, said um, in, in some public Twitter exchanges that um, they were, were going to raise um, the uh, the limit on um uh, what used to be called iTunes Match and what is now called um, iCloud Music Library from 25,000 songs to 100,000 songs uh, by the time iOS 9 is released uh, this fall. Um, that, of course, has to do with rights on the, on the, the part of uh, the, the content providers. The uh, 25,000-song library limit has been around for a while. It isn't a stumbling block for me, although I'm dangerously close. I think I'm in about 22,000 songs in my iCloud Music Library right now. But for my wife, who's actually part of my family subscription, um, it's a showstopper because she's got over 36,000 songs in her library. So she gets an error message whenever she tries to synchronize um, the library on her Mac with uh, iCloud Music Library. She can't do it. Um, that that's an unfortunate issue. That's something that I'm looking forward to Apple addressing. Um, having said that, I love Apple Music. I've uh, gotten turned on to a lot of new stuff. Apple's uh, curated music lists are really spectacular. Uh, finding a lot of, of stuff that I didn't know about before, and I'm adding it to my library, and I'm just making it part of my music collection and you know, listening to it offline or whatever um, and, and really enjoying it. I have to admit, though, I'm kind of new to the whole uh, subscribing to music thing. I have not uh, subscribed to Spotify in the past, for example, or Pandora or any of these other services that allow you to um, uh, to subscribe to music. So I, I, I imagine that uh, some people who are listening to this are rolling their eyes going, yeah, big deal, Peter. Um, this, is, this isn't new to any of us. But um uh, for me, anyway, it's it's been great, and uh, I, I'm I'm definitely enjoying uh, the experience. Where I think it needs improvement is in discoverability. Um, I'm still having trouble. Um, uh, sort of tuning the for you um, offerings that 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 it uh, it gives me um, to, to be really consistent with my musical tastes, but I'm afraid I just may be a little bit more schizophrenic than Apple um, uh, can really do anything about um, in, ter- in those terms because I tend to have very eclectic music tastes. I'm all over the map, so you know something that that has uh, Violent Femmes and Modern English in it uh, one week might appeal to me, where I might want to be listening to be- Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Uh, the next, and those aren't always, uh, or John Coltrane, for that matter. Um, and those those can be a little bit wildly disparate. Um, uh, so I, I think a lot of it depends on how you have um, tailored uh, which artists uh, iTunes chooses for you when you first set it up. And, you know, like I said, that's still a work in progress on my part. I'm still experimenting, but I'm finding a lot of new cool stuff.
0: Well, I'm never going to like Barry Manilow. Sorry, Apple. Yeah. That's life. You know, Eric Clapton's fine, ultimate santana david bowie i saw david bowie in concert like 10 years ago i think it was one of the last concerts he did before he had a heart attack and probably the last concert i attended just to point that out i don't think anybody cares (laughs) in any case let us move on here with more to talk about obviously apple music just by dint of the fact that so many people are giving it a try i think it's gonna be pretty successful don't you
1: I uh, suspect that they're going to have more success than a lot of companies do, just by sheer scale. You know, they, they've got such a huge user base, and they've got so much buy-in uh, to the iOS ecosystem and to the OS X ecosystem um, that I, I think that uh, Apple is is poised um, to make a much bigger impact uh, in this market than a lot of other companies, even well-established companies have.
0: They also have the clout to make special deals with artists to get exclusive content because they can show them these huge numbers. And that's a very important point. We've got one more segment to spend with Peter Cohen. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Neighbors, let Bitdefender worry about security. Just enjoy your Mac. Bitdefender antivirus for Mac. Complete protection 24 7 and take a selfie with your Mac, post it on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and tag it HugAMAC for a chance to win a MacBook Air. To learn more, go to bitdefender.com backslash hugAMAC. Bitdefender.com backslash hugAMAC.
12: Hi, this is Steve Spillum for Midas Resources. In 1971, President Nixon took the United States off the gold standard and put us into a fiat currency. This allowed Congress and the Federal Reserve to create trillions of dollars out of thin air. The national debt has risen to incredible heights in your hard-earned dollars by a small fraction of what they once did. The average life expectancy for a fiat currency is 27 years. The dollar is failing and on borrowed time. When currencies fall, people turn to gold and silver because gold and silver have been real money for more than 5,000 years. It is our mission at Midas resources to help you preserve your capital don't let your personal savings shrink to nothing for important free information on how you can protect your personal wealth contact me steve Spillum, at 1-800-686-2237 extension 308 call today while we are still accepting dollars for gold and silver 1-800-686-2237 extension 308 make a change in your financial security today that's 1-800-686-2237 extension 308
13: At 30dayfoodsupply.com, two of our top priorities are providing quality food at a reasonable price and protecting your security. When you call 800-700-2184, we will never record your phone call and never ask for your personal information, like how much food you have stored or where you keep it. We'll also never store your credit card information and email address on a computer. Your email address will never be shared or sold. We'll never limit the number of boxes you can purchase. We'll never use outside packers or use relabeled food from another company. Our meals are naturally high in fiber, carbs, and protein, and everything is packed with oxygen absorbers and mylar pouches under our direct supervision at our plant in Oregon. Oregon Trail Foods and 30dayfoodsupply.com. Keep prices low by buying directly from their producers in Oregon and then passing the savings on to you. Call 800-700-2184 and purchase our 30-day 90-serving emergency food supply for only $99 and $10 ships your entire order to the lower 48. Visit our website 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 800-700-2184. That's 30dayfoodsupply.com at 800-700-2184
0: With Peter Cohen, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live talking about Apple Music and its prospects for success. Maybe one more thing to look at. That's, of course, Apple TV. Some people hope that there would be an Apple TV this spring or summer. Didn't happen. Probably will happen in the fall. But supposedly still all about whether Apple can make the deals with the entertainment companies, the TV networks to get the content. Have you heard anything new?
1: I have not heard anything new on that, I'm afraid.
0: What is your hope here? Now, one of the stories I heard was that Apple is trying to work out deals with the TV network so they can also negotiate with the local affiliates so you get your local network fair. You don't need a separate TV antenna. You can have a fairly complete low-end package this way.
1: Well, that's the dream for a lot of people, to be able to um, sever ties with their cable company for local coverage altogether. Um, I know that I would certainly be more interested in that if it meant, you know, being able to Get content from my local ABC affiliate, for example, which is the the news that I depend on most most frequently. You know, if I were to be able to work out some arrangement with Apple to to get that stuff, but uh, what what I think is really killing these these things um, altogether is that you know people say, well, I just want to pay for the content that I watch, but when you actually run the numbers for doing content a la carte, if you're doing uh, separate content from HBO and Showtime and Netflix and so on. It, it adds up quickly. You know, it adds up quickly. So um, uh, there, there's got to be some ease of use here. There's got to be some, uh, uh, some, 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 some economy of scale for people that, that gives them an alternative. I think in many cases, it's just people looking at a $200 bill every month to Time Warner or to Cox or to uh, Charter or Comcast saying, you know, I'm paying this company too much for what I'm getting and I would like to pay less. Well, yeah, but look at the, when you first got cable back in the 80s, you might've been paying 20 bucks a month for it, but what are you getting now versus what are you getting then? You were getting maybe 10 stations then, you know, and now you're getting 500 stations or 200 stations and you're getting, you know, broadband access up the wazoo and you're getting your phone line through them and so on. So, uh, you're getting a lot more content as well. Having said all that, if Apple is able to establish content deals with local providers, it would certainly be a, an important piece of the puzzle for those people who want to cut the cord, so to speak, uh, with their internet service providers and only get internet through them instead of getting cable, too. I'm just not sure how big a segment of the market that actually is because I think that when people actually compares a- compare apples to oranges, if you pardon the pun, um, they're going to recognize that they still get a really good value with their cable company compared to what they would be getting with Apple. That's just my suspicion.
0: Now, Comcast is pulling something here where they're going to offer a low-end streaming package. I guess similar to Sling TV from Dish Network, except evidently it depends on you having Comcast as your broadband ISP. Now, in many cities, you won't have a choice. You'll have to have Comcast. But say you live in a city where you don't have Comcast. Shouldn't you have access to that same package?
1: No, not if Comcast isn't your your provider. Why would you?
0: Well, they can offer it as an option if it's streaming. What does it matter which ISP
1: you have? that's I guess up to Comcast more than anything oh sure if you want it or not yeah and I mean it's it's up to Comcast how to use their network right you know that that becomes uh, that, that becomes as much about bandwidth utilization as it does about anything else well bandwidth
0: is still an issue now I do notice I don't know if this portends anything for the industry. I noticed in some of the higher end packages from Cox communications, they really increase the bandwidth from like four hundred gigabytes to Two terabytes that's pretty difficult to use that up unless you're streaming a lot of hours of the day strictly HD content. So maybe they are starting to realize reality.
1: One would hope you know they've certainly got to stay ahead of the curve.
0: One of the things to consider where that goes and of course yes. Apple TV we have to look at if they offer a subscription service, Apple television, whatever it's going to be called as opposed to Apple TV. is it just going to be a subset of stations? have some of the cable channels, your local channels, will they give you DVR, cloud-based DVR capability? Can you skip commercials? That's a big deal. Can you skip commercials? So
1: And the other thing is with with Apple's name on it, it's got to have more of a value add than just the content. You know, the, one of the the killer features of the Apple TV has been the the connection that it's got to the rest of the iOS eco, or the rest of the Apple ecosystem. Right, uh, it makes it incredibly simple to stream content from your iPhone or your iPad or your Mac uh, or even your iPod Touch. That that interoperability, or for that matter, stream any content that you've ever purchased from iTunes uh, or rent movies through iTunes. Um, so there's that buy-in as well. Plus, there's the possibility that the next generation Apple TV will have some kind of limited application operation capability similar to, you know, an iPhone or an iPod Touch. So if you can run apps from it, what are those apps going to be able to do? And how are they going to change the way that you experience home entertainment? Is it, Are they going to be games? Are they going to be content apps? You know, these are all questions that we just don't have the answers for right now, but all very intriguing and all seemingly linked to, you know, Apple's desire to delight and amaze uh, people with its products, which I think the fourth generation Apple TV is destined to do.
0: The other consideration to make here is what does Apple do about the interface? When you start having even Apple TV with several dozen channels, you can hide the ones you don't use except for Apple's own. It can get convoluted and confusing. How do they simplify that? Can they abstract that situation so you're able to deal with all these multiple services, and do it in a way that's not confusing? What's the magical interface?
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the interface issue is, wasn't a big problem when the Apple TV first launched. But as new channels have come online, it's become increasingly difficult. Um, and many customers still don't know with the Apple TV that you can hide channels. So they just get these dozens and dozens of channels, and uh, they, they don't see the new stuff getting added. They don't know what it is, and they don't care. They, they just use the top row or the top two rows, and that's it.
0: If you're listed on the bottom of that, people may never get to these other channels or see them. That's exactly right. So we have to see how Apple works that out. I think, though, I know there's been speculation about this. I don't know why. It seems a given that Apple will support 4K video from the get-go. Although somebody wrote a long piece as to why Apple shouldn't and add it later, which makes no sense to me because the TV makers are pushing heavily for this holiday season to sell their 4K TVs. And so you're going to want devices that do that. You're going to see, will your cable provider offer 4K? Will Dish Network? Will DirecTV? Amazon Instant Video is offering a little bit, so is Netflix. So that would almost be a given, don't you think?
1: Well, you know, 4K is—I don't necessarily think that 4K is going to be a deal-breaker for too many people uh, for some time to come. You know, I see very little movement, widespread movement of people getting 4K sets. You know, they, they just spent a lot of money on flat-screen TVs a couple of years ago, and uh, they want to get the most out of it now, and 1080 is, is as good as they need.
0: Okay, let's see how that goes. Right now, I think it's one-digit single digits for the market share 4K TV, although they are getting cheaper and cheaper. Peter Cohen, where do we find more of your stuff?
1: You can find me on social networks at Flarg, F-L-A-R-G-H, and you can also find me every day on iMore.com.
0: Thank you, Peter Cohen, for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live.
1: It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Gene. Thank you very much.
3: We are the premier independent talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN.
14: Berkey Guy here. Are you still drinking unfiltered tap water? Does your water contain chlorine or fluoride? Will you have drinkable water in an emergency? The Berkey Guy is here to help you remove these and other potential contaminants from your water, thus helping you drink clean, purified water. We offer Berkey water purification systems at the lowest available prices online. Don't go another moment without a Berkey system. Over the last 10 years, we've helped thousands drink clean, purified water. Join them by visiting GoBerkey.com or call me, The Berkey Guy, at 877-886-3653. That's 877-886-3653.
16: Identity theft is
14: real. So real, it could be making you its next victim right now. At the gas pump, bank, or store where you shop with your credit card, bad guys with RFID scanners can peer into your wallet or purse from a short distance away. Stealing information from your RFID-enabled credit or debit cards, passports, room keys, and ID cards without you even knowing it. Stop the bad guys now with an RFID-blocking wallet from ID Stronghold. ID Stronghold founded the entire... Entire RFID blocking industry over 10 years ago. Their stylish sleeves, clutch purses, and wallets are shielded throughout. The best you can buy at great pricing, as low as $14.99. Don't wait until your wallet needs replacing. Protect your identity now. Click IDStronghold.com or call 1 800 610 2770. That's 1 800 610 2770. ID Stronghold,
2: the original RFID wallet company
10: What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to The Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg.
0: There's still issues, of course, with regard to iTunes 12.2, and now they've got 12.2.1, and Apple Music and File Corruption. And so we've asked Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy, who is the expert on such matters, to come by and talk about it. Also, let's talk about a couple of interesting articles I read that he probably hasn't seen himself, where they allegedly try to compare the quality of Apple Music with Spotify and also a lossless technology. And the results are screwy. But let's start with this subject that a lot of people are concerned about. And that is, you set up Apple Music... And your lovingly crafted iTunes playlists and library gets kind of messed up. What's going on here? Well, there seem to be
17: a couple of different issues. Um, One of them was addressed in the, you said there was a 12.2.1 update. And one of them apparently was addressed there. This dealt with files that were showing as Apple Music files. These are the ones with DRM, but really weren't. The other issue is a bit more complicated, and it's the one that I had where a lot of my artwork and tags were changed and, and files were showing as Apple Music. And so I've been researching for an article that I'll probably be publishing early next week. And as far as I can figure out, the problem is a sort of a collision. Now, the the, the term collision, when you talk about databases, means when a database is reading two bits of differing information for the same record, it basically collides and it has to choose one of them it sounds like
0: a hard drive corruption issue that sometimes occurs
17: no not at all this is merely something that happened with the iCloud music library when you have different devices that have different content on them the iCloud music library tries to basically choose what should be there and this is what caused some of my problems but again I'm really trying to confirm the, the last technical details about this. I can't go into too much, into too many specifics, but I will be publishing something, I hope, next week explaining it.
0: So, this will be in Macworld? No, this will be on my website. Okay, so this will be a further resolution. Okay, so in the meantime, what do you do if it happens to you?
17: Well, there are a number of things you can do. The first I would recommend is that you always use either Time Machine or some similar backup software that is going to keep multiple versions of your iTunes library file. A lot of the corruption that occurred can be basically corrected just by reverting to an older iTunes library file. In my case, a lot of the problems were files that were supposed to be in the cloud and that weren't on my Mac. Um, So reverting to an earlier iTunes library file, basically back before when you turned on iCloud Music Library, It essentially resolves the problem if it replaces things in the iTunes Music Library. Now, Apple has a technical document that says when you turn on iCloud Music Library, either on a Mac or an iOS device, you will be asked if you want to merge or replace the existing library. Now, I'm really certain that I didn't see this when iOS 8.4 came out and, and iCloud Music Library was on by default. I can guarantee that I don't see this on my Mac. The the Mac that I use for testing that I've used for years with iTunes Match um, is a MacBook Pro. And I've turned iCloud Music Library off and on many, many times, um, both to test this and to finalize my, um, if I can just give myself a little bit of advertising here, my Take Control of iTunes 12 book, which should be out early next week as well. And I've never seen any dialogue asking whether I wanted to merge or replace the library on my Mac. So this, in my opinion, is the cause of a lot of the problems that people are having.
0: Now, you know, of course, with most people, they get something like this, they turn it on, they do what seems to come naturally, or they run the standard settings and things go awry. So the argument then is be very careful before you turn on Apple Music.
17: It's not Apple Music, it's the iCloud Music Library. Apple, But Music isn't is, that
0: part of the way this yeah. is integrated?
17: Yes, but you can use Apple Music without turning on the iCloud Music Library. So l- let, let me explain exactly what the iCloud Music Library is. Before we had iTunes Match. Um, iTunes Match is now part of the iCloud Music Library, and you no longer see the words iTunes Match anywhere in iTunes once you're signed into iTunes. There used to be something called iTunes in the Cloud, which... Uh, allowed you to display your purchased content from the iTunes store, and this could be music, movies, TV shows, etc., in your iTunes library with little cloud icons to re-download it. That, too, is part of iCloud Music Library. And the third part is anything you add to your library from Apple Music goes into your iCloud Music Library. Now, these are files that you, you can add them to your library in order to make playlists or in order to save them Um, to to download the files, to listen offline on your computer, et cetera. So these three elements are part of iCloud Music Library. However, you can stream music just fine from Apple Music, and you can listen to Beats 1 Radio without turning on iCloud Music Library.
0: Okay, now let me try to understand this. I'm looking right now at iTunes 12.2.1. I have iCloud Music Library on. Obviously, I have the trial membership in Apple Music and I'm looking at playlists under music, and I still see the iCloud status, uploaded, matched, etc. That hasn't changed.
17: Right, that hasn't changed because Apple Music also matches uh, music, your songs, your, your tracks. Now, it will upload things it doesn't match. It'll match the ones it does match, and it's very similar to iTunes Match. Now, the big difference is... If you re-download a file and you have a paid iTunes Match subscription, that's $25 a year, you get either the matched file, which comes from the iTunes Store or the Apple Music Library, uh, which doesn't have DRM, or you get your uploaded file. If you download a matched file from from the iCloud Music Library and only with an Apple Music subscription and not with the additional iTunes Match subscription, then the file you download has DRM. So you can't use it once your subscription runs out.
0: Okay, so the key here is if you're not using iTunes Match, don't download music you already own.
17: Well, don't delete your originals. So the, the idea of iTunes Match and an Apple Music Library, I'll, I'll use the example of my son who's got his music library on his Mac at home and who listens to it using iTunes Match at work. So he can download the music at work, but he just has to bear in mind that he can't replace that music. Um, He can't replace his original files with the downloaded files. So if you've only got a single Mac, then, well, you're unlikely to delete the music and then re-download it. However, a lot of people do use iTunes Match for that very reason, that they can put more music onto their laptop, which maybe has less space than their desktop computer, match it, and then delete the originals and download what they want whenever they want to. If people do that, they really absolutely need to keep the originals because once their Apple Music subscription runs out, they'll lose a lot of the music that they've
0: matched. The law of unintended consequences.
17: The law of subscription services. I've seen a lot of people going ballistic saying, ooh, DRM is back, it's evil and all. I disagree. This is not music you bought. This is music you're renting. Uh, If there was no DRM, you could basically set your computer to download music 24 hours a day and it would be yours to share with anyone because there's no protection on it and i don't think that for a subscription service that should be the case
0: well we're being realistic here but i think maybe here apple needs to be more forthcoming to warn people of the consequences of this that they have to understand that if you start removing your music, expecting it to be replaced by music from the cloud, if that is under an Apple Music subscription, you'll have no access if your membership expires.
17: Yeah, they've, they've got a technical document that sort of explains this, not in the, those precise words. Um, but, but who reads technical documents? I, was just I mean, s-
0: Six of us read these documents unless we link to it specifically.
17: Or unless we're troubleshooting. Because- exactly.
0: Or if you contact Apple and they say, here's the document. Right. We've got Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy, trying to sort out the problems with iTunes. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Oh.
3: largest independently owned communications network,
0: GCN.
5: Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Why do over 50% of North Americans suffer from some form of chronic ailment? Could it be due to a toxic overload? It's time to take back your life. Get the lead out as well as the cadmium, mercury and calcium. Extendivite is a garlic cayenne supplement with five other herbs that acts like a natural Drano, cleaning out the stored toxins, restoring your energy and youthfulness that we've lost. If you would like to live your life free of sickness, pain, or fear, then Extendivite is for you. Available in either capsules or liquid, you too can see why Extendivite is the number one heart drop available. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with
13: Extendivite. As if chlorine in our water weren't bad enough, now they're adding ammonia?
14: It's true. Some municipalities are now adding ammonia plus chlorine to your water supply. It's a disinfectant called chloramine. But with a trusted Big Berkey water filter you can keep chloramine out of your water. New NSF EPA certified lab tests show EPA Berkey water filters remove chloramines, pharmaceuticals, BPA, pesticides, bacteria and viruses, all forms of fluoride and much more. Big Berkey water filters are the original and most trusted on the market. The gold standard in water purification. And our filters last for years at less than two cents per gallon. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water get your big berkey today call 1-877-99-BERKEY or click bigberkeywaterfilters.com that's 1-877-99-BERKEY big berkey water
10: filters for the love of clean water you never know what's going to happen next while listening to the tech night isle Live with Gene Steinberg.
0: Apple Music, iTunes, iCloud Music Library, iCloud, iTunes Match, the mind boggles, or maybe we're just getting dizzy. Kirk, what do you think?
17: It's gotten confusing. I think there are different products that are overlapping. As I said, if you have iTunes Match, you don't ever see its name. There used to be something in the store menu, update iTunes match, and you would do this when you've added new music because iTunes match would update automatically every, I don't know, 24 hours or something. The store menu's changed. That particular command is moved to the file library menu, so it's two submenus down, and it's called update iCloud Music Library. Now, if you're an iTunes match subscriber, you've not been told, hey, iTunes match is still called iTunes match, but it's part of iCloud Music Library. There's a certain amount of logic in homogenizing all this and grouping these various cloud things under a single name. But the problem is you've got a service that you're still selling, iTunes Match. People who are either using that alone or together with Apple Music, and when they look for help on it in iTunes, it's, it's just not there. It doesn't exist.
0: Now, obviously, we're testing all this on a Mac. I assume similar problems, considering the differences in interfaces, occur to users of the Windows version of iTunes.
17: As far as I've been hearing, and you know, I get lots of emails from people, um, both directly through my website and to the iTunes guy address that's published on Macworld, I'm seeing just as many people on Windows with problems. Remember, there are probably 10 times as many Windows iTunes users as there are Mac
0: users. And they hate the app over there, don't they?
17: Oh, well, they detest it. It's hard to imagine when, when you and I are so familiar with the Mac and we're used to people hating Microsoft apps and hating Windows in general... Um, It's hard to imagine the sort of anger that Windows users can have against iTunes. And I I don't know if it's just because it's an Apple app. We've talked about iTunes an awful lot, and I've explained many times how I think it's complicated and difficult to understand. And hey, another plug here. That's why I've written a book about it. Um, But I don't get the anger. It's almost personal, as if people are personally insulted by it. You know, you go back 10 years, you had the pop platform wars and Mac users hating Windows users and Windows users hating Mac users. So I guess this is just an extension of that.
0: On the other hand, look, all these people are still buying iPhones and well, iPads. that's true.
17: Yeah. And iPods and Apple Watches. So, yeah.
0: So, you know, a lot of it is going to be the fact that we all have the same complaints about iTunes.
17: Well, I don't think everyone has the same complaints. It depends on how you use iTunes. Um, people who have, I'm thinking in diapers. terms of
0: cross-platform, that the Mac and Windows user may have a similar brand of complaints.
17: Yeah, it's possible, but I think the Mac user is slightly more familiar with uh, what I would call the Apple style, um, knowing where to look in menus and being familiar with just the way things happen in an, in an Apple app. You know, I've, I've used Windows in the past. It's been a long time since I used it regularly. And things are different. You know, just the close buttons on the other side. And the menus are generally attached to apps instead of a menu bar. All these little things that make it slightly, you know, I'm an American. I live in the UK. Accents are slightly different. It's kind of like that on iTunes on the two different platforms. The, the Mac version would be the sort of standard version. And the Windows version is the one with the accent.
0: <laughs> Do we still feel the same about Office 2016 for the Mac? Does it have an accent or has Microsoft made it more Mac-like? Some say Microsoft has actually done pretty good work on it and that it's actually in pretty good shape. If you have an Office 365 subscription, by the way, you can get the release version. If you don't, it will be another month or two before you can buy a retail version. But that's just an important point. But let's get back to iTunes. So we get back to this again, and we had that discussion with you and with Peter Cohen and then separately with Peter Cohen about whether Apple needs to totally rethink iTunes. Not just fixing this problem and the confusion over DRM because you downloaded the song that you already had and replaced it or something. We're talking about the overall problems with iTunes that are cross-platform.
17: Well, I had an article on Macworld a couple of weeks ago and I was essentially looking at the number of menus and s- menus and submenus and different types of contextual menus depending on where you click a given item and how you click it. Um, there are different contextual menus. Um, it's a it's a confusing app. There's an awful lot of features. I, I have often said that I would like to see a simple and an advanced mode in iTunes. Now I'm not sure where I would draw the line between simple and advanced. Um, but, you know, I, I do this for a living, and I've been writing about iTunes for 15 years, and um, uh, not to throw in another plug, but I've got this iTunes book, which is currently about 270 pages long. So this is the third edition. I started, the first one was under iTunes 10, then 11, then 12.
0: And that um, book was 10 pages, right?
17: No, the first one was 120, 130, something like that. It was still fairly long, but it now it's getting, you know, it's over 250. And... That's an awful lot to explain an app. Now, this isn't Photoshop. Um, f- Photoshop, you need 1,000 pages if you really want to explain it. And, and of course, an
0: app, Adobe doesn't give you a manual anymore. It's, you got to go to the help menus.
17: Or you buy a book. Um, I've, just as an aside, I recently got a fancy camera, and I've been trying out Lightroom. So I bought a, a, one of Adobe's own books about Lightroom, which is really quite well done. Um, I find it a shame that I have to buy the book instead of getting a manual, but you, you know, the world has changed. Um, iTunes, however, it's a consumer app and it shouldn't need to be explained that much. Um, So where would you draw the line between simple and advanced? I don't know. Um, I I totally disagree with the idea of splitting out into six apps because that's just more confusing. Um, If anything, there's more of an integration now What with the streaming, uh, essentially, that can be combined in your iTunes library, the tracks that you stream if you use iCloud Music Library. Um, it's, it's hard, you know, on the one hand, we have to be positive that there are no more kinds of media that can be added to iTunes. Um, even if people come out with holographic films, it could, would still be called a movie. So we've got every sort of digital media possible.
0: Even Um, if someone sends the image to your brain directly.
17: We're still going to use the same words, books and movies and albums and songs or whatever. So you, you know, over the years, iTunes started with music only. Um, I think the second edition would have been movies. TV shows came later. Um, no, audio books were in it pretty early as well, and then ebooks were added, um, and then apps, and then radio and podcasts and all that. So
0: we podcasts, been adding, by the way, are ten years old. Ten
17: years old. Ten years. Right ago. now, just to
0: point out some dates here: in two thousand five. We put the Tech Night Out live on the iTunes on iTunes under podcasts, but the show had been online for three years. And 2010, we joined the CIS Communications Network. The PowerCast came out in 2006. Just as a point of history, go ahead, please.
17: Yeah, there are a lot of shows that were that predated podcast and that weren't being called podcasts yet. Um, it was just recently. That um, uh, this week, uh, this show is on Saturday, right? I think it was Thursday. Was the ten years of podcast in iTunes? Um, interestingly, that the summer of two thousand five, I wrote a book about podcasts for O'Reilly, and it was one of the first books about podcasts. Um, I remember at the time; I think I said in the book, "With this was basically just after podcast came out on iTunes that we were finishing the book." And I think I said with more than 400 podcasts on the iTunes store, <laughs> if you look at it now, there's probably 40,000 podcasts on the iTunes store.
0: It's actually 40 million, but I'm no, kidding.
17: I don't think it's 40 million. I'm kidding. There are, <laughs> there are, I'd, I'd be curious to know how many, how many individual podcasts, not episodes, but podcasts there are.
0: Well, in terms of episodes, there's a limit. I think we can't get over 300 episodes on iTunes. And we have, but they just you know, close to five hundred of- for the PowerCast alone, and maybe around four hundred for the Tech Night Out live that are available online. We have older episodes, but you know they're so out of date we haven't really had requests for them. We have Kirk McElhern. we always request him when we need expertise on iTunes and Apple Music and such. We have something else to tell you about. It's called the Tech Night Owl Plus. What's this about? Well, some of you have asked us if we could offer a version of the radio show without the network advertising. So we thought about it for a long time and we found the solution. It's called Tech Night Owl Plus. And the way it works is this. You subscribe to a subscription service where you get the ad-free version of the show. And we also give you a higher quality audio as well. And to find out more about it, you go to plus.technightowl.com. Once again that's plus.technighthow.com. Once you get there there are simple sign up instructions. It requires a few steps like you have to sign up with our forums and things like that. But it's not difficult to do and then you'll have access to the special versions of the show. plus.technightowl.com. This is the Tech Night Owl live.
3: A little right left, but always independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network,
0: GCN. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code.
6: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
0: Okay, on the Tech Night Owl Live, we have Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy, trying to figure out whether we should destroy iTunes with extreme prejudice and come out with something simpler. You were talking about like an expert interface, like the simple interface, which could be simpler than what it is now, and an advanced interface. And I'm kind of thinking the same thing about OS X. More and more features are added. And is there not a point where you can just about say the same thing? We ought to have an advanced mode and a regular or a simple user mode.
17: Well, isn't that what Microsoft did with Office some years ago? On on Windows, not on the Mac, right? I I seem to recall that they had something like that where you could have like a simple, I don't know if it was called simple menus or whatever, but the the problem with that is Apple is going to market their latest OS with the latest new features. So you you can't hide those features because uh, people are going to see ads and they want to know how they're used. How do you choose the features that you hide? I, I think in an operating system, it's a bit more difficult because you're covering such a wide base. I mean, it's the same in iTunes, but I don't know. I don't know. As I said before the break, I wouldn't know where to draw that line between simple and advanced in iTunes. Is simple making a playlist and advanced making a smart playlist? I don't think so. Is simple having more than just music in your library? Is simple not syncing an iOS device, for instance? Because that's something a lot of people just use their iOS devices over the air and don't ever connect them to iTunes anymore. It's a tough call. It really is.
0: Of course, you wonder here, maybe a better way to organize the interface so those who need to discover advanced features can do it without penalizing the people who get the basics and then want to explore something. So that's maybe a smarter design of the interface so you can do that without having features hidden. So you allow discoverability, but not the way Microsoft does. Because with Office 2016, for example, you've got the full-blown ribbon in all its glory, more so than previous versions. They talk about discoverability, and what they do is throw all the features in your face. Okay, here they are. Figure it out. Yeah. And you can't do it that way. But you have to have a way to make it look okay for people who want the simplified interface but allow it to be more granular for those who need more sophistication. That's got to be done really cleverly.
17: Yeah, it's not easy to do. And you're going to end up finding that it could actually be more trouble than it's worth because people would accidentally turn on the advanced mode and get confused or accidentally switch from advanced to simple and not be able to find their features. So it'd have to be a big button advanced simple, you know, a big, like a, what do you call the, the radio button tab bar thing, you know? But if you start taking things away, then people are going to complain about it.
0: That's why I say, and I'm not an interface designer, it has to be organic. Yeah, It all has to be there, but in a way that the casual user can get what they want, and the advanced user can get what they want, and that doesn't require an artificial line of demarcation. That's why I said organic. And I can't tell you how to do that. So I could say anything I want. You could just say he doesn't know anything about interfaces. That's not possible. The answer is yes, I think it's possible. I think if you look at all the technology packed into, say, an Apple Watch, that would have filled a full personal computer 10 years ago. All right? Now think about that. If Apple can do that with its hardware partners, add the smarter search for Spotlight and Siri... For iOS 9 and El Capitan, surely they can come up with an interface design that is organic and serves the interests of the casual and advanced user without having the separation. It's just there, but discoverable without being cluttered.
17: Yeah, well, don't know. I, I don't think it's easy. And I don't think that should be the debate anyway right now. Um, I, I think it's a lot of people with time on their hands talk about, uh, you know, how are we going to break up iTunes? It is problematic, it is complicated, it is complex, particularly the new Apple Music stuff. But breaking it up isn't the problem. It's figuring out how to present all this better. I, I think an awful lot of users want the broad features that iTunes offers. Uh, I think the problem is it's very hard to explain how to use it. That so, so there's some iTunes help, and it's not great. It doesn't go very far. It's pretty simplistic. And, and a lot of the technical documents on Apple's website aren't always updated when new versions of things comes out um, they need to have more useful documentation. And and I would almost suggest, um, not so much a blog, but the kind of tutorials where they're giving something every week that people can discover how to use new features. And, you know, I happen to know someone who could actually do that. So,
0: well, let's just call them up on the phone and tell them what they need. But Also, I can't believe that Apple is not cognizant of the problem because they get the feedback from people. And now they've got over a million beta testers of the new operating systems. And they're no doubt being inundated with issues regarding El Capitan and iOS 9, and I can give you a few. So certainly they're getting the feedback from the customers saying this and that is wrong. And they have to be sensitive to it. And they've got to consider solutions. But as you point out, it doesn't happen in two weeks, or even two no, months. It,
17: well, when they're when they're working with an opera, first of all, it's very rare that there's a beta version of iTunes available. Um, there was last year before Yosemite, surprisingly, but this was a beta that was necessary for testing something. I don't remember what it was for testing something with iOS. It it didn't have any new features. In fact, they didn't release any new iTunes features around that time. Um, so iTunes isn't something they put out in beta. And when they get bug reports on an operating system, well, they're really worried about fixing the bugs first and foremost. Um, changing things like usability, you know, we, we look at the, from the first developer preview through the betas, there's not a lot that changes as far as usability is concerned, even in OS 10.
0: Well, there you go, folks. The one thing I have to say about OS 10 and iOS, though, and this is something that has been distorted by some critics. What you learn with the first version mostly carries through with the new versions, although there are additional features and more things to discover. So it's not that it has been made more complicated that much, somewhat more complicated. But, you know, I've been working with an iPhone for what now, seven, eight years. And what I discovered that first year. I'm still doing most of that now. Yes, there are additional things I could do, additional swipes and stuff. But it's not so different that it confuses you. It just adds on to things. Now, they're saying, for example, that Apple Watch is confusing and difficult to learn. But remember, it's the first version of a new product, and it can't be used like an iPhone. I mean, some things work the same, but because of the differences in form factor, it's changed. But think of the first iPhone. When you were faced with the first iPhone on day one, whenever you got yours, Kirk, it took a little while to figure it out, right?
17: It did. And it's not surprising that this is the case. And, and even today, if you're, if you're switching from an Android phone to an iPhone, you won't have the same learning curve as someone who's switching from, say, you know, what they call now a feature phone to, to any kind of smartphone. Um, because most phones generally work the same way. You tap, you swipe, um, you pinch, whatever. The the gestures are pretty similar. If we were to go back now and look at what little you could do with an iPhone, um, with the original iPhone, it's actually quite interesting to see how much has changed. But as you say, a lot of it's become second nature, um, and, and I think that's a good thing. Look at something like iTunes, though, and it's different. Things don't necessarily become second nature because you don't need to use them. It's when you need to use them, you're confronted with something that may be confusing. Um, On a phone, you're always tapping, um, dragging, sliding, pulling, whatever. You've got the basic gestures that apply across the board. And within any specific app, be it iTunes or or Microsoft Word or Photoshop or whatever, these sort of, what would you call them, Um, these I don't want to use the term gesture because it's more than just gestures which involve swiping and things like that. Um, These sorts of movements are all individual for the specific app. The way you do something in Photoshop is totally different than the way you do something in Microsoft Word.
0: Let's go into that in a moment. We have Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. (laughs) a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code Gene when you check out. If you're worried about your health and you're tired of the
11: nasty side effects of harsh drugs or antibiotics, then look no further. Supernatural Silver is the answer. Supernatural Silver is a powerful immune system enhancer that can be used every day to help keep you healthy and well, with none of those nasty side effects. It's extremely safe for use internally as well as topically. And Supernatural Silver is hundreds of times more effective than colloidal or ionic silver. It is perfect for use in the sinuses, eyes, ears, and on any wound or skin issue. Supernatural Silver is also extremely effective when taken orally and can help fight off bacteria, viruses, and mold that may be overwhelming your immune system. Go to SupernaturalSilver.com And use the promo code Silver2015 for 30% Off of your entire order And give yourself and your loved ones A fighting chance With Supernatural Silver
14: Identity theft is real. So real, it could be making you its next victim right now. At the gas pump, bank, or store where you shop with your credit card, bad guys with RFID scanners can peer into your wallet or purse from a short distance away. Stealing information from your RFID-enabled credit or debit cards, passports, room keys, and ID cards without you even knowing it. Stop the bad guys now with an RFID-blocking wallet from ID Stronghold. ID Stronghold founded the entire RFID blocking industry over 10 years ago. Their stylish sleeves, clutch purses, and wallets are shielded throughout. The best you can buy at great pricing, as low as $14.99. Don't wait until your wallet needs replacing. Protect your identity now. Click idstronghold.com or call 1-800-610-2770. That's 1-800-610-2770. ID Stronghold, the original RFID wallet company.
6: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at Tech That's news at Tech If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com.
0: Back with Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy, and You were pointing out some issues there with regard to the fact that apps, iOS apps, are not consistent in how you do things in each one. I mean, there are some basic functions that are the same. But some of those apps, you open them for the first time, there's a little guide, like an overlay, that says do this to see new articles, do this, do that. It has to be there because they're not all giving you consistent processes, and some features available in one or not in another. So, for example, if I look at something in the browser, I want to print a copy. On my iPhone, I have an AirPrint-enabled printer. I have two, as a matter of fact. So, I can print wirelessly without any weird system extensions or anything on my Mac. No problem. Now, if I open an individual app for a specific site, say USA Today, for example. If I go in Safari, I want to print an article. I can print it. If I go to USA Today's app, or Time Magazine's app, or any of another other apps, that share sheet function print is no longer available.
17: Yeah, while Apple has human interface guidelines for both the desktop and iOS devices. Human interface guidelines is basically when Apple tells developers, here's how you should do something. On the desktop, it's much more consistent because the menus used generally cover most things. It gets a little different when you're dealing with palettes and toolbars and and the Photoshop example or the Word example of their button bars and ribbons and toolbars and all that. um, They can be confusing. While there are human interface guidelines in iOS, they're a little bit different and they're a lot less strict in many ways because of the lack of a menu bar. And as you say, the share sheet on one app may include something and on another app it might not. And this is because the developers haven't necessarily implemented things the same way. Frankly, I'm not really sure how they do that on ios because i i've encountered some apps that really confused me for a while on the other hand no ios well i was going to say no ios app is as complicated as photoshop but there is a photoshop for ios um and there's an awful lot you can do and there are other graphics ops so it's most of the ios apps i have do very limited functions so It's not as hard, but it's true that when you go from one app to another, you're you're learning each app. You're not learning the operating system, whereas on the desktop, you're learning the operating system, and each app is much more tightly organized, according to Apple's human interface guidelines.
0: I still think that certain features ought to be there for anyone. I mean, on a Mac, every app essentially has a print function, except stuff that print doesn't apply, like, for example, Audio Hijack to capture audio. But anything where you have text pretty much has a print option.
17: And it's got a Windows menu to, to let you choose which window to display, even if there's only one. Uh, so that's one of the advantages of the desktop, that the, there are certain menus that are required. So there's always a menu with the name of the app. There's always a file menu, um, an edit menu, a window menu. Even if there are no commands in those menus, the menus are there. That fact that there is a familiarity in the menu structure from one app to another at least for the basic menus, is actually, I find it quite reassuring in
0: some ways. Well, one of the things advertised about the Mac from the day of the first version was a consistency. Yeah. That if and, you learn yeah. one app, you know the others. Now, obviously, apps are so complicated today. That's not true. But there are basic functions and conventions that apply to everything. And if you know that, then you can pick up the rest uh, going forward. Anyway... This is a subject that will never get resolved today. We're not going to get a phone call from Tim Cook or Jonathan Hive and say, you know what, we're going to fix iTunes. We know it sucks. But let's just hope they're listening and they will pay attention because we're all going to be asking the same questions. Now, one day after the rumors said it would happen, they said it would happen Tuesday of this past week, it happened Wednesday, Apple refreshed the iPod line. Now, it's kind of a sort of refresh, the iPod Touch gets a major refresh, at least internally. There are new colors for the iPod Nano and the iPod Shuffle, but otherwise they're the same. Do I have this correctly? You
17: do. Thank you. Now it's in- <laughs> You get things right sometimes. It's interesting, as you say, the rumors pointed to Tuesday and they released the products on Wednesday. Now, Apple has almost always released things on Tuesday. I don't know if this could make any sense, but The only reason I could imagine they might have put it off on Tuesday is because it's a holiday in France. And France is a pretty big market for Apple. Uh, It was the 14th of July. Now, this isn't going to stop people from buying things online, but people won't be able to go into stores. I don't know if that's a big deal, but it is the first time in a long time I can remember Apple releasing something new on a Wednesday. In any case, the the iPod Touch got a very serious update. It's got an A8 64-bit processor. It's got a gigabyte of RAM. It's got 802.11ac, the fastest Wi-Fi. It's got a better 8-megapixel 1080p camera. It's really quite surprising how much of a difference there is. I just got one today. I've been using an iPod Touch as a test device for several years. Um, I install iOS betas on it because, you know, you don't install beta software on the phone or the iPad that you use regularly. I had noticed that with iOS 9 betas, my iPod 5th generation had gotten really, really sluggish. The new iPod is fast. It's faster than my iPhone, which is a 5S. It's really quite nice. It's slick. There's not a big change. The edges are less rounded. It, it seems to me a bit thicker. I already sold my old one, by the way. I put it on Amazon to sell it used uh, about a half hour after I ordered the new one, and it was sold a half hour later. So I, I shipped it out yesterday. I didn't have it to compare. The, the edges aren't as rounded, so it's a little bit easier to hold. It's a tiny bit heavier, um, and I think this is because there's, al- there's also that um, motion processor in it, so it can count your steps. So there's actually a little bit more stuff inside, and I guess that's why it's a little heavier. But it's really smooth. It's really fast. Um, it- it's faster than the 5C. It's certainly faster than the 5S. I think it's a bit slower than the 6, but I saw some benchmarks that said it was six times as fast as the previous iPod
0: Touch. Well, just a little bit faster, so.
17: Yeah. One of the questions, of course, is do you need an iPod Touch? Um, for me, as I said, this is a test device. Um, it's also going to be my, iP- my Apple Music device because I don't want to turn on iCloud Music Library on my iPhone. Um, one, one thing I didn't mention earlier is there's still that 25,000 track limit, which applies to iTunes Match and iCloud Music Library. Now, that'll go up to 100,000 when iOS 9 comes out. But for now, my main library can't even fit in there, so I can't use it. I'd be more comfortable using this. I can put music on and stream it over AirPlay. I've got a speaker in my bedroom. Um, I can even stream it to my Mac in my office or my Apple TV in the living room. So for me, this is going to be a test device and a device to use for Apple Music. I've always liked the iPod Touch, even since the beginning, because not everyone needs a phone. You may just want to use a simple phone because you don't care about all the fancy features, and the iPod Touch is really quite a bargain. I mean, I think it's two hundred and fifty dollars in the states. I bought the thirty-two gig.
0: Um, well, okay, the prices start 199 from one ninety-nine. That's. I think you're gig. right about that. At three ninety-nine, you get the one hundred twenty-eight gig, yeah. and that's the comparison is the original iPod five gigs for three ninety-nine. Yeah. All right. Just to let you know, that's 14 years separation. Now, I want to ask you a few other questions in our next segment with Kirk McElhern on the Tech Night Out Live. Independently leading the way for the nation.
3: Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are
11: GCN. You are an individual with your own thoughts, decisions, and actions. So why should you be penalized for not enrolling in the subpar health insurance mandated by the government when you can be truly independent with Liberty HealthShare, a bold, innovative alternative, allowing you to take back control and make your own decisions about your health care? Mention this ad when you call to learn more. 800-714-6993. That's 800-714-6993. Liberty HealthShare. Together,
3: we are one.
18: Is negative content or comments on the web affecting your personal or professional reputation? Unfavorable comments, embarrassing pictures, videos, legal documents, and bad tweets can ruin your personal life, your career, or your business. It happens a lot, and it's just not fair but what can you do reputation.com can protect your good name get a free consultation now at 800 831 that's 800 831 call right now for a free expert reputation analysis it's easy to squash the unfair attacks with our patented system and the analysis is absolutely free make the best things about you jump out in searches protect your personal and professional reputation your business and your income get your free reputation analysis from reputation.com right now. Call 800-831-0771. 800-831-0771. 800-831-0771.
8: It's very easy to be a criminal. All you need to burglarize a home is one simple household tool, a pair of scissors. If your home security system can be compromised by a criminal using scissors, then you're making it easy for them. Almost every home security system, even those sold by big-name companies, has a weakness. The phone line. You shell out 1500 bucks, get locked into a long-term contract, and think you're safe. But a burglar can destroy your alarm in seconds with one snip. And when a burglar cuts your phone line... You're defenseless. Simply Safe Home Security is the smarter choice. Built by Harvard engineers, Simply Safe uses a wireless connection to call the cops. Scissors can't cut it, and that means your home stays safe. 24-7 professional monitoring is under $15 a month with no contract. Simply Safe Home Security keeps you safer than the other guys for half the cost. Protect your home with the alarm you can trust. Simply Safe. Go to simplysafedefense.com now for an exclusive 10% offer. That's simplysafedefense.com.
10: You're listening to The Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
0: So we have the new iPod, new colors for the low-end models, new iPod Touch, which now has the A8 processor. It's underclocked. It doesn't run as fast as the ones on the iPhone, but for most people doesn't make a difference. And maybe the battery life isn't quite as long. The key here is that this is something that when they have iOS 13, it's still going to be pretty current, isn't it?
17: It is. The fifth generation iPod Touch was released, I think, in 2012. So it's been just about three years. And at the time, it was pretty snappy. iOS 13, maybe not iOS 11 or 12, it'll probably be. But given how much faster it is now, it's not as fast as the iPhone, but it's pretty close. I I can imagine that this is going to have a a fairly long life ahead of it.
0: We have to look here at another factor, which is important with regard to the iPod. We talk about the iPod Touch being a viable purchase instead of an iPhone if you don't need the functions of a phone or you don't need a cellular data plan. And that is, if you look at sales... I think Apple is selling like 20 iPhones for every iPod. I think in one quarter, they said like two and a half million or something like that. I mean, it's really not selling as well as it used to. So the question here is, is any development money at all justified? Obviously, with the iPod Nano and the iPod Shuffle, it's minimal, new colors. With the iPod Touch, there's more development money there because they're adding a lot of the standards from the iPhone 6? I,
17: I think there's something that we don't see. There are an awful lot of people who, an awful lot of companies that use the iPod Touch as a handheld device. I know it's widely used in hospitals in the US. I've seen couriers use them here and they come in these sort of larger devices that may have keyboards and, and all that, things you sign on the screen. But I've noticed that iPod Touches are widely used and I think the reason that Apple is maintaining the iPod Touch and making it a lot faster is more for this enterprise handheld device use because this sort of use doesn't need cellular access. It just needs generally a single app in a device that
0: works smoothly. Okay, I see what you're saying. But still, they're not selling a lot of them. But now let's go looking at the specifics here. So for example, we have the iPod Shuffle. It's got two gigabytes of storage. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yep. The same as it did three years ago.
17: Uh, The same as it did five years ago.
0: Okay, so they haven't changed that in five years. Now, we know that the cost of flash memory has gone down. Why can't they supply eight gigabytes for $50? I don't think
17: people really use it like that. So the the original iPod Shuffle had 512 megabytes. They upped it to four gigabytes with the third-generation Shuffle, Now, I don't know if you remember this one. It's the one that didn't have the buttons, and the only way you could control it was through the buttons on the the wires to the earbuds. They abandoned that form factor, and in 2010, they came out with the fourth-generation Shuffle, which is the current one, um, and that's always had two gigabytes. Why they don't put more is, I guess, in a way, the iPod Shuffle is the sort of gateway drug to the Apple ecosystem, If you really need more storage, you might as well just get an iPod Nano, which has 16. But it's three times as much. No, it's, well, yeah, it's true. It's $150, but still not that much uh, compared to an iPod Touch, compared to, you know, an iPhone or, or anything like
0: that. Sure, but why can't they offer five gigabytes for $50 and then maybe make the iPod Nano $129 for 16? You know, bring down the price uh, a little bit. There's no reason they can't do that. They
17: they certainly could do it. Um, So I really like the iPod Shuffle. I've ordered a new one. Um, I like it because it's small. It's easy to operate. It doesn't require a network connection. I often use it to listen to audiobooks. I never fill it up. Um, Now, I'm sure that there are some people who do. It's very popular for people using it in workouts. Again, because it's small and light and it's nearly unbreakable. Um, would it make a difference if you had two gigs or four gigs? Uh, Just this morning, I wrote an article for Macworld, which will be live by the time the show goes um, live, called In Praise of the iPod Shuffle. Um, I can put about 15 hours of music on an iPod Shuffle, and that's at 256 kilobits. Um, If I downsample it to 128, that's 30 hours of music. That's a lot of music. Now, yes, they could put more uh, memory. Do they need to? that would have meant a change in the supply chain and the assembly line, I'm guessing? I don't know. I don't know. So all that's changed now is that they've added some colors, um, and that's just basically a different color case, but that doesn't change any of the innards. Uh, we see the same thing in the iPod Nano, and the surprising thing about the iPod Nano is it looks like iOS 6 in some ways. And John Gruber on Daring Fireball said something a few days ago that little birdies told him that there is literally no one at Apple who works on the iPod nano software in order to update it. Now I find that a little bit surprising that they're selling an iPod that looks with software that makes it look that old. Um, What would it be a month or two of one or two developers at most to rewrite the nano software. It's mostly redesign. It's not even writing the 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 software itself. It's mostly the interface. So that, that to me is a bit surprising. Um, but yes, they could they could put more flash memory in the shuffle. I'm sure that the chip would be exactly the same size, whether it's two or four gigabytes.
0: I can't imagine that the change in the production line would be that expensive, unless Apple is really developing this to a price point and did this as cheaply as they possibly could, but still make it look as if it's a credible update.
17: For the shuffle or the Nano,
0: I think for the Shuffle and the Nano, the Touch, of course, obviously there is some degree of development work there. But the others, no. They cheaped out.
17: Yeah. Well, one thing that they did is they um, brought in new colors, and the colors are all the same across the line. And there's gold, so that matches um, the iPad and the iPhone and the the new MacBook, etc., it suggests also that these are the five colors that we'll see for iPhones coming up, um, or at least the iPhone, whatever the if there's a 6C in color. So you've got the three colors for silver, what uh, space gray, white and gold, whatever they call them. Um, and there's two other colors, the blue and the pink. Either we'll see them for the iPhone 6S, assuming that's what it's called, or the 6C will get the blue and the pink that and, and the, the iPhone will get the other three colors. I think there is a desire for consistency across the product line in terms of colors here.
0: So perhaps here they're testing different colors, see how those colors... No, I think they're establishing
17: response. a color palette, actually. Okay. Um, if you remember, the, the iPod Shuffle in the past came in six or eight different colors. There was a yellow, there was a green. Um, there were all sorts of colors. Now all three of these devices have the same five colors, Although technically they're six because they're all available in product red versions. Um, it's interesting that they advertise that there are five colors, but when you go to the page, you can get one in red. Um, of course, these are the ones that are, some of the money goes to charity, and it's only available through Apple, the, the red model.
0: Okay, I have no intention of buying an iPod. I kind of outgrew that a long time ago. I'm not a fan of portable music players, by the way. Okay. I mean, I had a Sony Walkman, what is that, in the 1970s, and didn't use it that much. And then I got a Sony CD Walkman in the 1980s, and I didn't use that much. And then I went through three or four generations of iPods and got one for my son and didn't use it that much.
17: Well, you're just not the target demographic, and that's understandable. Um, I've had literally a couple dozen different iPods over the years. Um, I currently have um an ipod touch an ipod shuffle i have an ipod classic um which of course isn't being sold anymore i've never had the latest nano i never saw the need but over the years i had an ipod mini i had a couple of ipod nanos i had one when it was tall and thin and sort of not flat i had another one when it was the sort of apple watch size if you remember
0: We're going to learn about every form factor, but not really. Let's go to our final segment of the Tech Night Out Live.
3: Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion.
0: We are GCN.
2: Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. Call 1-888-379-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. So, disable the cable and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-888-379-MY-TV right now to sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 in up to four rooms. And there's no equipment to buy. That includes your free HD TV upgrade, your free DVR upgrade, and your free professional installation. And the best part? The pristine digital picture and sound. Call 1-888-379-MY-TV. So, what are you waiting for? your major credit or debit card. Call 1-888-379-MY-TV. 1-888-379-MY-TV. Disable the cable, cut costs, and get more. Call 1-888-379-MY-TV. 1-888-379-MY-TV.
14: Identity theft is real. So real, it could be making you its next victim right now. At the gas pump, bank, or store where you shop with your credit card, bad guys with RFID scanners can peer into your wallet or purse from a short distance away. Stealing information from your RFID-enabled credit or debit cards, passports, room keys, and ID cards without you even knowing it. Stop the bad guys now with an RFID-blocking wallet from ID Stronghold. ID Stronghold founded the entire... Entire RFID blocking industry over 10 years ago. Their stylish sleeves, clutch purses, and wallets are shielded throughout. The best you can buy at great pricing, as low as $14.99. Don't wait until your wallet needs replacing. Protect your identity now. Click IDStronghold.com or call 1 800 610 2770. That's 1 800 610 2770. ID Stronghold, the
18: original RFID wallet company. Is negative content or comments on the web affecting your personal or professional reputation? Unfavorable comments, embarrassing pictures, videos, legal documents, and bad tweets can ruin your personal life, your career, or your business. It happens a lot, and it's just not fair. But what can you do? Reputation.com can protect your good name. Get a free consultation now at 800-831-0771. That's 800 Call right now for a free expert reputation analysis. It's easy to squash the unfair attacks with our patented system and the analysis is absolutely free. Make the best things about you jump out in searches. Protect your personal and professional reputation, your business and your income. Get your free reputation analysis from reputation.com right now call 800-831-0771 800-831-0771
10: 800-831-0771 you're listening to the tech night owl live with gene steinberg you never know what's going to happen next
0: We have Kirk McElhern here for one more segment of the Tech Night How Live, talking about the iPod, the refresh, new colors for the Nano, the Shuffle, a lot of new stuff for the iPod Touch, much more powerful, much more compelling purchase. So how long does Apple keep the iPod? Will it always be there because they always need that entry-level device?
17: Well, I I said earlier why I think the iPod Touch is going to be around for a while. Uh, I think it's probably... While it's used a lot in enterprise now, I think it's going to be more so in the future. Uh, imagine that you integrate it into a point-of-sale terminal for Apple Pay or something. There, there are all sorts of uses um, for this kind of device. I don't expect the Nano to last very long because, heck, $149 for the Nano, $50 more, you've got the iPod Touch. That's not a lot for such a big leap. However, the Nano is very small. It does have Bluetooth, so you can use wireless headphones. I kind of think the Shuffle is going to be around for a while because it's just a product that, while there's not gazillions of people who buy it, I I can imagine that Apple sells a couple million a year. There are many companies who would give their eye teeth to sell a couple million $50 products a year. I can't see Apple getting rid of it. I I wouldn't expect them to upgrade it. Uh, It's interesting. The second generation Shuffle looks exactly like the fourth generation except it's square instead of rectangular. Uh, in between, they changed the form factor. So the one I mentioned earlier that didn't have any buttons, and then they came back to it. They're using a form factor that's five years old, but that was used on a model a couple years before that even.
0: Moving on quickly to Apple Watch. Okay. Yep. I guess you've been following this. Is a company called Slice Intelligence, which may be an oxymoron. That is claiming that Apple Watch sales collapsed in June, I guess in July. What's your perception about Apple Watch at this point?
17: Well... I only put mine on if I'm going out for the evening or something. It doesn't do anything for me. But I'm not going to let my not being convinced temper my opinion of it for other people. I think it's great for lots of people. The the early adopters came in very quickly. You know, we'd been waiting for this device for so long. And the early sales were clearly much higher than what would occur a month or two months later. I think Apple made a very, very big mistake by not having any of these available in stores and by making people wait so long even after they ordered. So you, you had a lot of people who might have been interested, who might have gone into a store early on, and then, well, they just figured, forget about it. The, the initial buzz wore off, I think, before people started getting their Apple Watches shipped to them, um, and certainly before they got into stores. And, and that's why Apple just wants some new TV commercials about the Apple Watch, because they need to drum up interest. I think it's it's an early adopter device it's a first generation device and again it in its current state it's not for me and I understand it is for a lot of other people but I think it hasn't met the kind of success that Apple is used to in uh, in a new product I mean it it's hard to compare because the last new big product that Apple released which wasn't an updated version, you know, like a new version of an iMac or whatever, was the iPad. And the iPad, people immediately understood what it was for and what they could do with it. Whereas the the Apple Watch, um, being a slave device that depends on an iPhone, that basically replicates a lot of the functions of an iPhone, just isn't that compelling. And I think a lot of people don't understand what it does for them. Again, it doesn't do it for me. It, it's just not a device that... I, I don't need to be wearing something all day long to have information that I can get on my phone. I think the Apple Watch is going to have a rocky future. I think if, if anyone expects it to be like the iPad, um, they should you know, sell their Apple stock now or whatever. I think that Apple's going to need to really convince people um, that they need to show some more value in the Apple Watch, I think.
0: Now, remember, there's going to be a Watch OS 2 coming this fall. Not to say that's going to be much of anything. It's just a point of issue here. There's going to be a watch OS. Maybe that's going to improve a few things. I think here that the technology doesn't allow for Apple to produce an Apple Watch that does what they'd probably like to see it do. And I think the key thing here is that the day it no longer has to be an accessory for iPhone is when it comes into its own. And that may be, what, two, three years hence?
17: I don't know. Um, You know, I've thought about this a lot, and there was all this initial excitement of the new device, and I got it, and I said, okay, is this all it does? And in particular, the fitness tracking doesn't work very well, which is one of the reasons I was hoping to use it. Um, I I think... I'm just not sure. It's not even about refining it or making it do what it's going to eventually do. It's the question of whether this device whether people need this device. You know, Peter Cohen just had an article on iMore asking do people need an iWatch or why they need an iWatch or don't, whatever. And it essentially comes down to the fact that, yeah, maybe you need it, maybe you don't. It's a device that's really, it really depends a lot on the way you interact with your iPhone, on the way you interact with your computer and and your world in general, I think.
0: Well, as I said, I have a $12.88 Walmart watch. That tells you the time. And it's a calendar, too, although the calendar, of course, is not smart enough to know about 28 or 29-day months. It's 31-day months. So you have a crown, an analog crown, not a digital crown. You pull it out once to set the date if the date is wrong. You pull it out twice to set the time. I haven't touched the time in three weeks that I've had this watch. It was maybe a second fast, and now it's right on, so we assume that every week or two it's going to lose a second in terms of time. For $12.88, if this thing gives me a couple of years of service, I could live with it. It's actually a very nice-looking watch. My wife thought it was just as good-looking as my $75 Guess watch, which no longer works. And I think in... The
17: thing is, you you see the need to have a watch. I don't even see the need to have a watch. I don't need to know what time it is because I've got my iPhone or if I'm at work, I've got my computer. If if I go out, if I go out for the evening, if I go out shopping or something, I do put on the Apple Watch because I find it useful that when my phone's in my pocket, if I'm getting a notification that might be important, um, I find that useful. It's good to have the time on my wrist when I'm out and I don't want to take my um, phone out.
0: Let me tell you something here. But since I work at home, it's just not useful during the day. Same problem here. I work at home. By the way, Jeb Bush, Republican contender for president, he's an Apple fan. There's a picture of him, I think, on Twitter where he's showing off his Apple watch. He has Apple everything. That's a cross-platform thing, by the way. You know, Obama likes Max too. and all that stuff. I, I
17: I saw an Apple watch at the Royal Shakespeare Theater A week ago, they're doing a play by Ben Johnson called Volpone, which is about some rich guy, and he's got all these gold and jewels and all this, and he was wearing an Apple Watch. It's a modern setting of the play, obviously, and as part of the sort of giving the impression of the people who had the money, they had iPhones and iPads, and this one guy was wearing an Apple Watch. Bob Weir, singer and guitarist with The Grateful Dead, was wearing an Apple Watch during the final concerts they did in Chicago. We expect
0: that people in show business going to have Apple stuff. Okay, Kirk McElhern, please tell our listeners where they can find more of the stuff that you do.
17: Well, I've got a lot of stuff going on these days. So my website is Kirkville. It's www.mcelhern.com. That's M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com. I've got a new forum, Kirk's iTunes Forum, at forum.mcelhern.com. I've got a new book coming out. Take control of iTunes twelve. It should be out a couple of days after this uh, show is broadcast. And of course I write at Macworld where I'm the iTunes guy and write a whole lot of other things.
0: You can find, of course, us on Twitter. We're known as Tech NightHow. Look for Tech NightHow on Twitter. Look for Gene Steinberg on Facebook if he has the plaid shirt. More than likely, he's me. We've got another special feature of the Tech Night Owl Live called Tech Night Owl Plus. Go to plus, P-L-U-S dot TechNightOwl dot com, plus dot dot com. We offer for a modest monthly annual or five-year subscription the ad-free version of this show, free of 41 minutes of network ads, better audio quality, plus dot dot com. We've got another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night and on the Paracast this week, we have out of the box thinking from Greg Bishop and Walter Boslia, former government agent, Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. We're watching you out there. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live.
17: Thanks for having me again.